This is the Home Health Revealed podcast. Hear stories from real industry leaders discussing topics affecting the ever-changing home health industry. Welcome to Home Health Revealed podcast. I am your host, Mike Greenlee, and I have my co-host here, Hannah Vail. Hannah, hey. what's up? Hey, not much. How are you doing today? Pretty good. Good. Got a, got a question for you. Okay. So if the FBI came and raided your home, what would you do? Well, what did I do to get it raided? Uh, what would it be for you? I don't think I'd answer the door. <laughs> I don't think you have a choice but to answer the door. I got one of those ring doorbells. I just... Oh. um, Hello, yes. Can yeah. I help you? Like, would you my- like inside? My front door lock doesn't work, so you have to jiggle it just right. And if you can pass that quiz, you can come in. Hey, I fixed that door, by the way. Oh, okay. <laughs> it, it does not work. Great. Well, hey, we have a really great show for you today. I am pretty excited about this topic. Even though it's a very sobering topic, I just think this is so, so important. End of life directives. Do you know what that is? Well, based off the name, end of life, uh, directives part would be, uh, I would assume that uh, you're planning for the last of the days. For the afterlife. Yeah. So, you know, if you're ready to meet Jesus... And then what you can do about that on this side of heaven, right? To make sure that everybody else knows what you need and what you want. Do you have an end of life directive or advanced advanced directive plan? I have a uh, will and a uh, trust. Oh, well, that's that's a good start. Like a living will to know if you want to be resuscitated, that kind of thing. Yeah. Oh, that's really good, actually. Most of the people that I have talked to do not. Like, they think they know, but then when it comes down to it, they've never actually written it down because that can be really alarming. So, um, but we're I'm not going to be the one talking you through this. We actually have with us Carla Sutter, who is the Director of Advanced Directives Registry for Contexture, and she is an expert in this field. She has a master's degree in social work. She has spent her 30-year career working with organizations who help clients and families care for themselves and others. Um, She specializes in advanced care planning conversations and advanced directives. So her work as a hospice social worker with counseling patients and families at end of life has become a guiding point for her work. She is an author. She has uh, written a master's thesis called Developing Ethnic Competence in Social Work Practice um, that I, I was thrilled to get to pull up and read through. So I'm really excited to hear from her. Hi, thank you for having me. Yes, thank you so much for being on here. So I really want to just jump into this topic because it is such an important topic that maybe people shy away from, but they really shouldn't. So... That's absolutely true. From your experience, why do you think that we, myself included, um, don't have these end-of-life conversations about advanced directives? So I think there's a couple of reasons. Um, I think one, just culturally, um, talking about end-of-life is not something that we tend to bring up on a daily basis. Um, You know, there's some fear that if we talk about something, it could happen. It's the same reason that uh, individuals often will not uh, complete a will or even do life insurance. I think it goes to any of those kind of planning processes. Um, And I I think often that there is a misconception 
that these documents are documents for people who have already diagnosed or advanced illnesses. And so I think we often wait um, until we think that includes us. And then oftentimes we've kind of gone past that point uh, where we really no longer can have those conversations or we don't have the competency to have the discussion. Yeah. So in a previous conversation that you and I had, we were talking about when to complete this. And one of the things that you had said that was really interesting to me was that you should complete this while you're healthy and capable. So when do you feel like is the best time or, or how young is too young? Maybe that's a better question. So because these are legal documents in many states that have actually been legislated um, into state statute as to how they need to be completed. Um, they are documents that are typically for those age 18 or older. Uh, we do see in some pediatric uh, settings that they've now designed some documents for younger people who are in an advanced state. But the documents we're going to talk about today are really for those who are age 18 or older. And as we probably go through today, I hope that um, those listening will hear the different points as to why at these different ages it is important. I can start with age 18. Typically, people are leaving home. Um, they may be going to uh, a new state or workplace, or they may be going to some type of college. And you're away from your family, uh, which means you're also 18 and able to make your own decisions but that makes it more difficult for family members to gain access to healthcare records, um, even in an emergency. So identifying someone even at that age where the likelihood is more gonna be geared to a, an accident versus an illness, uh, it's still a very important uh, reason to have it. So Carla, I'm, I'm 45. I look 30 because I do Botox, um, but I got two kids. I've got life insurance, I've got a will, I've got a trust. Tell me what's, would I be reaching out to, to you or your company to, to have this type of conversation? So you would not necessarily reach out to our company for the conversation, but if you, so for instance, if you were in Arizona and you did complete these documents, you would reach out to our company to register them and have them in a safe location for first responders and healthcare providers to be able to access them if you're not able to share them on your own. But if you're in another state, um, you would want to have uh, these um, documents done through your healthcare provider, um, through your faith uh, organization, um, through a disease-specific association. So uh, perhaps you have a chronic or progressive illness, uh, whether that is something to um, uh, Parkinson's, cancer, ALS, uh, Alzheimer's, uh, muscular dystrophy. They would have uh, team members to be able to assist you. Um, there's a lot of resources that uh, will be shared um, that I have uh, provided of other locations to begin the conversation. Um, and, and really, it starts with your family or who you define as your family to just begin having some discussion, casual discussion about these, often based off of maybe what we've seen in the news or a situation you've experienced with another friend or coworker. Who, who would tell me that? these documents exist or I need to have this type of conversation? So great question. So 
Um, depending on your healthcare provider, uh, many when you go in for a wellness visit will ask the question. Um, unfortunately, we don't always have in um, those type of settings that are not in an acute setting or are not with an, an advanced illness. Oftentimes, a question may be asked that you almost miss because they just will say, do you have a healthcare power of attorney? Do you have advanced directives? Oftentimes, people don't know what those are, so they'll just answer no or yes, um, and then there's not a follow-up to that. So we can't always rely that it is going to be our healthcare providers at early stages. Um, but I think when you begin to think about advanced care planning, you're going to start seeing um, kind of education all around you. Um, it kind of brings you to a, a more recognizable um, place, kind of like when you buy a uh, yellow uh, car, all of a sudden everybody on the road seems to be driving a yellow car. So yeah. the more you begin to kind of think about these things, the more information that you'll be aware of um, all around you. So what all goes on an end-of-life document? Or, or what, is the, what is the official name of it? I'm calling it an end-of-life document, but is there an official word for it? Yes. So in different states, you're going to hear some different terminology, but typically the um, terms of an advanced directive or a healthcare directive are going to be an umbrella terminology for these other documents. In most states, um, these documents consist of either individual uh, documents that make up a healthcare directive um, or one document that has different aspects to it. Uh, a couple of the key parts to these documents is something considered a medical or healthcare power of attorney. This is different than a financial power of attorney because this individual that's named allows that person to be your voice of decisions that you may have made already in a document that is entitled a living will, or again, in some states, just called a healthcare, power, a healthcare directive. Those documents, I consider more of the map. So a healthcare uh, power of attorney is going to name an agent to make these decisions for you if you are unable to communicate for whatever medical reason, uh, physical or cognitive. And then the living will or healthcare directive outlines more of the understanding of what you would want or not want um, in certain situations. So what, what does a conversation look like? So, you know, oftentimes when we, um, I recently had a conversation with a coworker here. Um, we have here at uh, Contexture, part of our uh, benefit package is the understanding around advanced care planning. So um, coworkers can come to the team that I direct and um, understand the, the different documents and we do education on this. And when I talked to one of uh, the coworkers who wanted to complete these documents, he said, well, I don't, how am I gonna know what I want at my end of life if I'm ill when I'm healthy today? And so what I shared is that the focus today is on what you want and what's important in your life today. What is valuable to you today? And if you document those type of things, you never necessarily need to put in any medical terminology. You don't need to talk about uh, medical uh, terms. It really tells a story of who you are. 
I think it's also really important for everyone to understand that these are documents not of limitation, but of um, choices. So whether you are somebody who wants to have everything that is available to you in a medical situation, or someone who wants to limit what interventions happen, it's important that these documents um, are done. I think oftentimes people feel that there's a bias of, of one way or the other of why they're being asked to complete these documents. And I think it's really key to understand that that is not the goal of these documents. It's really to put control um, back into your hands at a time where there really is very little control of what's happening to your body. Now, do those, if, if we did that today and 10 years from now, I want to change that. How often do they change or? How often can you change yeah. them? Yeah. Absolutely. Um, these documents remain in your control um, until you no longer have a capability to be able to make those changes. Um, and we always talk about kind of times that you should consider making and looking at these documents. These are not and should not be considered a one and done type of document. Um, you really want to look at these at least every decade, and that's if you're healthy. Um, you want to look at it after a death, and that death may be what happens is oftentimes someone's death gets you to think about what you would want in your own situation. Maybe you've seen some treatment options that you would or would not want to, to do. Um, and so that's a good time to think about it. It's also a good time because you may have made that person who's now passed away your agent, and you now need to complete a new uh, document that has a new agent identified or your or your second agent may now be um, become your first. Um, if you have a new diagnosis, um, this is a time to look at your documents to determine if they still reflect your wishes today based on new information. Or if you have a new um, disease path and maybe things have changed in terms of how your disease has progressed. That's also a time to reflect. And the last time is also to think about um, if there is a quote unquote divorce. And when I say divorce, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's, um, that's the only time you would look at these documents. But if uh, there's a change in a family situation, um, the person that you had named um, is no longer in the same position um, or you no longer have the same relationship with them, then it may be a time to look at these documents at that point as well. Yeah. So definitely hide it from the wife. Just kidding. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think you touched on a couple things. So sometimes out of a crisis, it causes you to create a plan or to look at your own life and think, I want this. I definitely don't want this, but you also don't want to wait until a crisis happens to start thinking about your own plan, especially if that crisis really impacts you to the point where you couldn't adequately make that, make those choices, right? Absolutely. They always say it's always too early until it's too late. Yeah. Gosh, that's a good phrase. Um, well, okay. So a lot of our listeners are people who are in the home health and hospice space. And I think they have such a great position to be able to have these conversations 
And so how can we equip them to feel like they're prepared in, in a fresh way to have these conversations? So I think that's a great um, question and something really to, to think about. So there's a couple of things. Um, I have a document and we can provide resource uh, for it uh, saying, let's be direct the five reasons you need to complete your own advanced directives before assisting others. I think that there is no higher a completion rate of those um, advanced directives from healthcare providers as the general public. And, and that's about 32% overall right now, which is low. Um, yeah. And so it's really key that before individuals begin to assist others and have those conversations, they have to experience what some of those questions are. They have to experience um, how it is to come up with who is going to be your decision maker. I think we're perpetuating a misconception that these documents should only be completed by those of a certain age or diagnosis. Um, we also, again, have not experienced the challenge of communicating our priorities and values on paper. So I uh, did a uh, certification with a group of healthcare providers, and it was part of the way that they would be certified to have these advanced care planning conversations is they had to complete their own documents. And I had a physician who had completed it, and one of my roles then was to review the document with them. And he used the terms. Uh, no heroic. Now, this was a, a individual who certainly had all the medical terminology available to him, and yet he relied back on what we often use is no heroic. And what I shared with him is what no heroic means to him versus those who are reading this document are going to be very different. And so it really pushed him to have to think about and challenged him what does that really mean to me and to upon that. Um, you can't answer honestly if your patient asks you, have you completed your own document as you're telling them how important these are? Um, and again, you'll not know what information or questions you needed to complete the document, which makes it difficult, again, for you to share that back uh, with a patient you may be assisting. You know, you mentioned that there are are certain state documents. So let's say I live in Arizona, but I move and I go to Missouri. Dun, dun, dun. Does it, do I have to change documents or is that document still valid? So great question. So every state does have uh, guidance on this, but most states do allow documents that are completed in another state, as long as they have met that state's requirements to be um, honored in the state you are now receiving care. The only caveat to that would be if you're asking for something in that document that was legal in the state you resided in, but is not legal in the state you are now having your care provided in. And probably one of the easiest for your listeners to understand in that would be there are certain states that do have death with dignity uh, laws. And if you have a document that discusses that um, option, you could not bring that to a state that does not have that uh, as a legal um, option uh, medically. But the rest of the document would be honored as long as it was completed according to your state guidance. 
And that really is in regard to uh, witness or notarization um, requirements. So how do I know that my wishes are actually going to be honored? So I think one of the key things is when you have completed your document is to bring it to your healthcare provider um, and the health system that you're, you are going to have the majority of your care and share the document with them and ask them to review and is there anything that would limit their ability to honor uh, what you are asking. Um, every hospital system in the country does have um, guidance around advanced care planning, um, Medicare and Medicaid services under the um, Centers for Medicare and Medicaid do have requirements for certain health centers um, in terms of advanced care planning documents. And if there is a question of them being able to honor your wishes, they need to let um, you know uh, up front and provide you resources for another provider who would be able to honor those, those wishes or another setting uh, based on those. Okay. If I wanted to do this today, do I, I mean, I just need to eradicate a blank page, right? Where do I even start? Are, is there a template I can use? Can you kind of break down a step-by-step -step for me if I wanted to do this? Absolutely. So most states, if you were to just simply go and Google um, advanced directive and your state, so advanced directive Minnesota, advanced directive North Carolina, advanced directive Florida, whatever state, um, you're going to get a lot of uh, resources. You're going to look for those that are non-proprietary first. Um, okay. so that you're limiting uh, costs. Um, and most states do have um, kind of a state resource within their state uh, government. So here in Arizona, for instance, there is a packet, a life care planning packet that is put out by the attorney general office. So a lot of attorney general offices will have these advanced directives based on the state guidelines for them. Um, also, you can look at um, prepare for your care which is a website that you can put in your state and it will give you um, guidance on those documents that are part of your state. Um, the Five Wishes is another organization um, that has a, a document that is really kind of a universal for all the different states um, and gives you a lot of questions to begin to answer to get to and build out your plan. So um, I do have some of those resources uh, on the, the resource guide that um, I have shared um, and, and to start with that. The other piece is that you can, again, with um, your uh, faith-based organization, I know that several of the, the dioceses around the country, for example, does have a diocese-directed um, advanced directive uh, document that really is guided by um, the tenets of um, Catholicism in that example. But it is across uh, kind of faith and across other um, cultural uh, groups and communities 
that you could also kind of go in and talk with uh, those leaders of that uh, community to find out um, if there are documents that they are recommending. Well, Carla, this has been fantastic information. And I know we've asked you some questions and, and you've answered those just perfectly. While we wrap this up, what's the one thing we didn't ask that, that we should have asked or what should we know? What's the last thing we should know or, or ask? So I guess I'll turn it around to all of those who are listening and to, to both of you as, and to say that if you don't have these documents um, already or you haven't looked at them in many, many years, um, what would it take for you um, to get it done? Uh, what questions are holding you back from really thinking through um, what may be a barrier for your completion of these documents? And so that would be my question um, to both of you as to, and to the, uh, anyone listening um, to really think about. So I think for me, some of the things that I asked are definitely like those logistic things. So I've already got my laptop pulled up here and I'm looking through the five wishes and thinking through what I would put on here and kind of thinking about it from the perspective of like a life philosophy, which is how I think you directed somebody to start. Like what is important to me as a mom, as a wife, as a person who has certain beliefs what is really important to me. So I feel like for me, it's the logistics, but these resources are really going to be where I'm going to start. And then I think once I walk through this myself, if I were in a position where I had the conversation with others, I would be more equipped to have those very real, raw, but caring conversations. Yeah. Don't forget about co-host of podcast too co-host of a podcast yeah. life philosophy yeah yes forget about um that. but th this has really been great this has been eye-opening for me and i think it's just made me look at this differently not as something that okay now that i have a terminal diagnosis i'm gonna have to start thinking about this but right now while i'm i'm healthy and busy and full of life i really need to think about what is important to me at the end of my life right like planning with the end in mind. Yeah, Carla. Absolutely. I, I really do appreciate you making time out of your day to, to meet with us and the resources that you have shared with us. We will make sure that we put that uh, and make that available to all the listeners as well. Um, but just wanted to say thank you so much for being part of the podcast. We really, really appreciate it. And to all our listeners, thank you so much. And until next time, we'll talk to you soon.